quite a number of years ago, I was driving through Melbourne with a friend and we came upon the new Porsche Cayenne, which of course was Porsche's first entry into the SUV market. My friend didn't recognise what brand of car it was when I said it was a Porsche. He said, why? Well, now we know why. SUV sales are booming, no more so than with Porsche, but more of that later. In our interview in this program with Jonathan Coleman, he mentioned that his family's major car is a Lexus RX 350, a large-size SUV. So they're coming here and everywhere. Let's talk about that with our expert from practicalmotoring.com.au, Paul Morell. G'day, Paul. Is uh, the number of SUVs on the market a surprise to you? It's not a surprise, David, but it's a, a bit of a shock. Um, it is just it's it's a it's a steamroller that does not want to seem to stop. Um, people are besotted with SUVs, particularly large SUVs, and they're buying them to the exclusion of station wagons. They're buying them to the exclusion of luxury sedans. They are just they're just multiplying like cockroaches in a in a pest controller's commercial. The interesting thing you mentioned station wagons. Yeah, my uh, son was looking for a station wagon, but not a you know not going to buy a, an expensive one. There's not a lot in the lower pricings, but of course from Europe in the luxury brands, there's heap of them. But even then, you take Audi. Their A3 is their biggest selling car. Okay, that includes some station wagons. The next biggest three Audis are the Q3, the Q7, and the Q5. All SUV vehicles. Yeah. BMW, the 3 Series is their biggest one, followed by three SUV vehicles, the X5, the X1, and the X3. Even, you know, things like Ford, their Ranger Ute is huge, absolutely huge compared to everything else. But then the Territory, old, you know, design as it is, even that is there. Uh, it comes in second. Mm. Land Rover way outsells Jaguar, Land Rover that. And, and the exception is Mercedes. That's true, um, but Porsche, 79% of Porsche sold in Australia so far this year are SUVs. Who would ever have thought that you'd see badges on SUVs like the Porsche badge, the Maserati badge, the Jaguar badge? It's just, it's yes. just, it's unstoppable, as I said before. Uh, the simple fact is that um, all the major manufacturers, particularly the luxury manufacturers, have recognised that that's a growing niche in the market. And they've they've leapt in there, both feet and and cash books in hand. They're uh, they're just determined to grab big 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 chunks of that market. And they are. Well, it's even more than a, a station wagon. A station wagon can be very practical. And as I say, there's not a lot of them in the below fifty thousand dollar era in Australia, which is I think is quite a shame, really. You get the same situation that I do, where people come to you quite often and ask for advice. What should I buy? What do I need? And of course. The first thing you say is, okay, how are you going to use the vehicle? What's your most common usage? Will it be, you know, commuting? Will it be taking the kids to school? Whatever. And quite often you'll say, well, obviously your requirements are, it'll be urban commuting, whatever. You probably should have a smallish, smallish station wagon or a hatchback. No, no, no. You can guarantee that that person asking the question will turn up, you know, in a week's time driving some large SUV. It's a very strange um, emotive decision that we are... We're losing the battle on, quite simply. Yeah, and of course a hatchback can have a rather stumpy tail on it without a lot of boot area, whereas a good old station wagon can be much more practical, much more usable sorts of space, which is exactly what my son wants it for. Mm. Yes, it's, it's a difficult one. Station wagons, um, I mean, they're no longer the, you know, um, 
Griswold vacation cars. They're, um, <laughs> they're they're still quite attractive. In fact, in some cases, I've said this before, I find that the the estate version or the station wagon version of some cars is actually more attractive than the sedan. There's no logic in it whatsoever. I mean, when you talk about practical SUVs, let's say, okay, you're determined to get an SUV. I mean, everyone should be out there buying Subarus. I'll, I'll take the commission later, but I mean, the Subaru is is a nice compromise between a a hulking, lumbering vehicle designed very much for off-road and a vehicle that's designed to work in the urban environment. I mean, they're selling well, but for some reason, they're still being outsold by large SUVs. Yeah, I I totally agree. The little one, the XUE, is a bit underpowered, uh, but now they've brought in... There goes my commission. (laughs) There goes my test card. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, I've said about the Audi, you know, why, why not go for a station wagon? If you want to rent an Audi, you can't get a station wagon from most rent-a-car companies. That's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't been involved in that. But yes, I suppose that, mm. yes, they're not, they're not on most of the rental car fleets, I'm sure. The Audi is about $3,000 more. But still, nonetheless, let's have a look at the RX350. I've got to say, Lexus aren't really selling nearly as many as I thought they might. So far this year, up until July, 5,500. The latest figures haven't quite come out yet. Is that total Lexus sales or RX350 sales? No, that's total Total Lexus Lexus sales, yeah. It's not a lot. Certainly Land Rover, Range Rover, is 8,500, so that's more than them. Land Rover, Range Rover, of course, is all uh, SUVs. In their various markets, they're, they're not doing too bad, not doing too as well as I thought. They well, I might. think you've just summarised. I mean, you've just explained the whole reasoning. Um, when you have Lexus being squeezed by the European brands, and I, with the European brands, I'm going to include Land Rover and Range Rover. Hmm. The simple fact is that some of those vehicles are getting better and better and better. They're getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Lexus. Had a raison d'etre, which is you know you can have this sort of the image and the and the the importance of having a, a nice brand, but it doesn't have to be European. Now what's happening? They're being squeezed from the top by those European brands who are bringing their prices down, increasing their their specifications, increasing their standard equipment, and people will still even now default to the three European brands: right? the Audi, BMW, and Mercedes-Benz brands. So. Lexus is under increasing pressure from those brands. And then, of course, it's under increasing pressure from the, the going to say lesser brands, and then I, there goes another commission. They're under increasing pressure from those brands below them who are increasing their standard fitment, their standard equipment, their standard specifications to the point where the rational people will go, well, gee, I'm perfectly comfortable with you know, an SUV from Hyundai or an SUV from Kia. So, yes, they're being squeezed in the middle, and the middle is always a very uncomfortable place to know to be, as you would well know. It's getting pretty hard to actually lead the field with technology now, given that, as you say, even down to things like cruise controls and that you remember, they used to be luxury features. Now, of course, they're pretty standard across many, many cars. Oh, exactly. If you don't have you know, adaptive cruise control, I mean, cruise control is now pretty much standard. Adaptive cruise control is, is rapidly becoming the go-to default, of course, and that's what's happening. And uh, the, market, the market is so crowded... And pricing is so critical that Lexus is finding themselves having to fight harder and harder and harder for that lower luxury dollar. It sounds silly to say that, but that lower luxury dollar. And that, you know, when we're talking, for example, the RX 350, we're talking prices from 70000 to over, well over, or just over $100,000. That's serious money. That's exactly right. I think, yeah, that gap 
is not nearly as good as it once was. And while the RX 350 is good cars, a stack full of stuff, but then again, so are many others. In fact, just having a look at the look of it, the new one has that new very almost like uh, what's the the shape sort of big little triangle upside down uh, meeting with a big triangle from the bottom up i love your technical descriptions yes keep going <laughs> yeah in the grill but not meeting at a point sort of meeting sort of halfway down the triangle yeah it's what are they called the hex the, oh, the, the they call it the spindle grill that's right i hate it to be honest but i don't want to criticize design because it is a very personal mm. thing I just find the grill is, is, it's a strange, it looks like a fencing mask and it doesn't really work. I mean, yes, it's distinctive. Yes, it says Lexus. But again, if you want to sit there and say, do you want to say Lexus or do you want your neighbours to think you're driving something more expensive? Um, I'm not too sure that works it works as well as it should. I parked the Lexus uh, in a row of four-wheel drives and it was distinctively different if that's not a tautology, it was very clear that it was a different looking, the standard sort of high bumper bar, horizontal grille. Yeah. The front of it did sort of stand out as being quite different. Yeah, I I must agree. And and in profile, it's also got a nice shape, but there's that sort of clever use of black glass, what is called the C-pillar, sorry, the ABC pillar. Mm. Yes, it has some quite distinctive design features about it which are not typically SUV I've said many times it's very hard for an SUV designer to to move away from the you know it's a big box I think the Lexus is quite distinctive it has a sort of fast back rear window to some extent as in the, the rear window with a hatchback by definition that's going to limit your luggage space it's uh, going to limit your headroom all that sort of stuff but you know these are these are things that people will will make their own minds up about you know mm. am i willing to make that compromise do i actually need a big box in the back where i can put the dog in a, in a cage probably not mm. none of us buy cars that rationally and yes it looks good it looks it looks sedan like it looks quite fast it's got a nice flowing shape if i take out my my unreasonable dislike of the uh, the fencing grill fencing mask grill yeah it's a very very attractive looking car again distinctive that uh, i think is is important part of it i i quite liked it from the grill is just a bit too big and a bit too strong for me but it, it certainly yeah as i say i parked it in a row of them and i felt a little bit one-upmanship almost in sort of saying mm. well I've, I've i've done well inside it is had beautiful sort of maroon leather seats and that. I've got to say, I felt pretty comfortable inside, although I found the interior console a little flat. But how did you find it? I think it's. I think it looks lovely. I, I'm very happy with it. I mean, obviously, the the dominant feature is the 12.3 inch um, um, touchscreen mm. uh, in the centre there. Look, I again, it's it's conservative and stylish without being boring, and it's conservative and stylish without being outrageous. I think it works very well indeed. Three and a half litre V6 engine, uh, around 221 kilowatts. It's uh, pretty good. It's uh, not a light car, being a big, uh, large SUV, but just perhaps a little thirsty, though. Yeah, it's, it is a bit thirsty. Mind you, it's, you know, when you say it's not a large SUV, it's still just over two tonnes. Hmm. These are getting, they're big, heavy cars. So, you know, 9.6 litres, which is their claimed figure. Good luck if you ever see it. But 9.6 litres per 100 k's is, is pretty reasonable. Just keep in mind, you're going to have to run it on premium unleaded, which the fuel companies are still gouging us for at some outrageous price. <laughs> it's acceptable. Yeah, it has an eight-speed gearbox, which makes it 
if you ever get to use them all, that's pretty efficient, particularly if you are going to trundle along a motorway. Yeah, we know with eight speeds. Eight speeds are lovely. It's like you almost can't hear the thing changing gears because there are so many gears. I'm not even sure at what speed eighth gear might kick in. You, you may well find that if you drive it, you may never actually get into eighth gear because we don't get up to those sort of speeds in Australia that will make it a, a reasonable thing. But yeah, nice gearbox. Jeep was that way. They had nine speeds where it dropped into nine to the 110 kilometres mm. an hour. That's your I'm breaking, I'm breaking the speed limit law uh, rule. Mm. The minute I'm in ninth gear, I can get arrested. <laughs> but nonetheless, I think uh, cab- cabin space and comfort's pretty good. Good audio system and you know, a well-built car. It was certainly one I know the young fella sat in the back and felt like King Farouk. He felt pretty good. <laughs> I'll be very careful what I say after that comment. <laughs> yes, I'm sure he did. Look, it's it's a really difficult game that Lexus is playing, where they want to they want to take sales away from the the standard recognised European brands. They have to compete with those European brands on the European brands turf. Unfortunately, now with the exchange rate and numerous other things. They don't have a major price advantage. It's a challenge for them. Indeed it is. Mercedes-Benz GLE, BMW X5, Audi Q7, Range Rover Sport. Gee, I tell you what, that, that can be very expensive. Um, $130,000 uh, can put it up there. But I tell you what, uh, it's a, a very refined vehicle, but uh, Lexus keeps pushing away. Paul, lovely to talk to you. Thank you once again for your time. Always a pleasure, David. Thank you. And Paul Morell from practicalmotoring.com.au. And we were talking about the Lexus uh, SUV, and it was the RX350.